Our lesson for tonight is a third lesson, a fourth lesson in our series, but the third in the Bible is inerrant and accurate. We've looked at many different uh, viewpoints of the Bible. We've been most recently looking at, at scientific information that is found in the Scriptures and how they apply to us and how they tell us that the Bible is inerrant and accurate. And we've looked at the style of the Bible, the, the way that things are written. We, we've looked at some of the basic teachings of the Bible. Tonight we're going to look primarily at the moral standard of the Bible. As we look at the world around us, we realize that, that the world that we live in is a, a difficult world for Christians to live in because of the lack of morality in, in so many people. Even in our own nation, we see morality that, that seems to be failing to some degree. And if we look at other countries and other places in the world, and especially those that, that have a, other types of religion, and we'll look at, at those in a moment, but as we look at other worldly religions, we see that they, they don't have the moral standards that our country was based on. The moral standards that the Bible teaches and has taught for centuries. It still upholds those moral standards. And as long as we hold to those moral standards, we find that we as Christians are a better people for it. I remember in one of my classes, we had a teacher. He was the teacher of the teenage class at the congregation where I grew up. And I remember him once saying... Uh, even if we, we believe in God, and even if He doesn't exist, we're still better for it. And the reason that he said that was because uh, of the morality that we hold as Christians. It makes us a better people. I believe in God. I believe in the Bible. And I believe that, that the morals that the Bible teaches are, are more than things to, to direct our moral compass. But they are things to keep us faithful. Things that keep us within God's will. Go back to the Old Testament and we see the, the rise of heathen religions and the immoral practices and how they abounded. Many considered themselves to be of no religion whatsoever and, and many really look at, at religion in a, a self-centered type way. That, that I am my own religion in many ways. And the way that I live is going to be directed at pleasing myself. That's the religion that, that a good number of people hold. Delight in the world and material possessions are emphasized. Paganism is again focused more so on self than others. Paul describes some of these practices in Romans chapter 1 and beginning with verse 22. Romans chapter 1 and verse 22. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts 
to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. What he is describing is the, the world, not just Rome and, and who he was writing to and, and the things that he personally was experiencing, but these things describe very well some of the things that we are experiencing today. You see, the morality of our world today is not much different than it was even then. In that we mostly reject the standards of God. And that's exactly what these people had done. They had rejected the moral standards of God and of the Scriptures. However, the standards of the Bible remain and set Christians apart from the moral decline the world is experiencing. We as Christians are, are held to a higher standard. And that helps us to, to be a better people in a moral sense. Thinking about going back to creation and, and man as he is created. He has given dominion over other creatures. And at least in part because of his moral sense. The moral standard of the Bible gives us that dominion over all other creatures that God has placed upon the earth. As long as we hold to those morals, then we can be faithful to God. We begin by looking at the religious teachings of the world. And I'm not going to describe all of them in depth, uh, but, but maybe just more so to point out some of the, the downfalls of, of the morals that are found in these religions and in the people that have brought them to us. We see that, that these come from men. These are religious teachings that, that are, are, are given to us. They are founded by men. Religious organizations and, and beliefs founded by men. And we see that because they are founded by men, that they are often lacking in the moral standards that, that we are uh, accustomed to from the Scriptures. We begin with Plato. Plato was an Athenian philosopher during what would be referred to maybe as the classical period in ancient Greece. He is the founder of Platonist school of thought and the academy, the first institution of higher learning in the Western world. Plato, as well as, as many others, are, are accredited with, with great learning. That was one thing that Greece is known for. And yet when we look at some of the teachings and the writings and the things of Plato, we find that they are lacking in moral judgment to some degree. One of the things that we find about Plato is that his teachings justified 
and advocated slavery, that the better should rule the inferior. And this is a direct quote. Nature herself intimates that it is just for the better to have more than the worse, the more powerful than the weaker, and in many ways she shows among men as well as among animals and indeed among whole cities and races that justice consists in the superior ruling over and having more than the inferior. So the teachings of Plato, they, they advocated for slavery to some degree here in that the better are to rule over the inferior. He believed that to be justice. He justified that. And yet we find from a scriptural standpoint, we'll look at these in a moment too, uh, that, that we as people, God has created us on equal footing. And as far as God is concerned, better and inferior do not exist. Another thing that, that we find in Plato's teachings is that he advocated for prostitution and houses of prostitution. He prescribed it and advocated it. Uh, this is something that, that obviously, morally, as Christians, we find wrong. And scriptures do condemn it. But it was something that, that Plato advocated for. Have the Quran. And, and this is spelled in different ways and uh, different circles. Uh, but the Quran, coming from Muhammad, 570 A.D., somewhere uh, around that time, we find the Muslim religion. And there are many things uh, about the Muslim religion that, that do go against Christianity. Now, if you were to ask one, they would tell you that, that Allah is basically God. But we understand that Allah and God are different. They're not the same. And as far as the, the Muslim religion is concerned, one of the things that, that we are concerned about, because it does have such a prominent place in our world today, is that it seeks to replace Christianity. Muslims do not like Christians by any means. And we have seen that evidenced in, in many ways. This Muslim religion, the Quran, is believed to be a revelation from Allah, who Muslims believe to be God, and far superior to the God that we believe in. Some of the problems with this religion are that it advocates violence and cruelty and the obvious state of women in regard to their religion. Women are, are viewed as of lesser status than men and are taught to obey their husbands and are subject to arranged marriages. And we see that, that morally, from a Christian standpoint, the, those things are, are not necessarily the case. We also have Hinduism of about 2000 B.C., Hinduism is a, a religion that, that highly reveres snakes, antelopes, cows, and monkeys. Things that, whenever we look at, at what we 
um, view in, in Scripture. I, I think of Acts 17 and some of the things that, that Paul had to teach against. Because in Rome, you had this religion of, of statues and things of that nature. Uh, one of the t- things that we are taught in scriptures is that these are, are beings that are created by God. And that we are not to place those created beings above God. But that's exactly what Hinduism does. The foulest forms of obscenity are practiced. And again, the state of, of women is degraded. Buddhism of about 500 B.C. It is founded upon superstition and the futility, the uselessness of existence. Women are dishonored. In this religion, marriage is scorned. Some of the Buddhist teachings are, are not able to be translated into English because of their vile content. And the teachings of Buddhism are are very similar to the pagan religions described in Scripture based on self and sexual pleasure. Then we have Confucianism of about 550 B.C. And this uh, originated in ancient China. It it advocated for emperor worship, which is again something that that Christianity is opposed to. We worship God and God alone. And and that's the way it should be. But certain religions advocate for worship of rulers. Um, And we see some of those in the New Testament as well. Uh, This is one of the things that is advocated and encouraged as far as Confucianism is concerned. We, we also learn about that religion that women were also degraded here. For many years, mo- many modern scholars have regarded Confucianism as a sexist, patriarchal ideology that was historically damaging to Chinese women. It has also been argued by some Chinese and Western writers that the rise of Neo-Confucianism during the Song Dynasty had led to a decline of status of women. So some of the things that we find in Confucianism are are very much so some of the things of the other religions as well. It was once once thought that Confucianism could coexist with Catholicism, but it was later realized that there were too many things that stood against Catholic Christianity for both to be believed and practiced at the same time. And so Catholicism also rejected Confucianism. And these are just a few of some of the ancient religions, but as we look at them, we again find religions that were founded by humans, founded by men, and we see the the morals that they held. And some of those were were no more than, than what they wanted. But we compare the the moral standards of countries where the Bible is taught in religious freedom with countries where the teaching of the Bible is restricted and stifled and we find a great difference in the moral standards that they hold. Where does morality come from in the first place? Well, we as Christians, we know that God created the world. 
We know that God was the one who, who originated those moral standards in, in any regard. And we find that, that the moral standards that we hold to today, we can trace back to Scripture. We can find them in Scripture and we can continue to follow them today. I want to take some of those things that, that we have looked at in these other religions, some of the downfalls in these other religions, and, and look at what the Bible has to tell us about the moral standard of the Bible, because that is the most important to us. We want to follow God's Word. We want to be what God wants us to be, and so we have to follow the moral teachings of the Bible. One of the things that, that we often find in other religions is that, that women are not respected in the way that they should be. But as we look at the Bible, we understand that, that men and women are different in, in many ways, but that they stand on equal ground in God's eyes and in His teachings. They have their, their different places, their different roles in the family, and in the church. But as far as God is concerned, women are to be respected. And that's something that, that we, we understand from Scripture. Look first at, at marriage. And there are, are, are different things that, that people believe in regard to marriage. But the, the moral standards that God holds in marriage are the kinds of standards that we are to hold to as Christians. We, we go back to the beginning of marriage. We go back to Genesis chapter 2 and beginning with verse 18. The Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all cattle to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused the deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones, and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. An interesting note, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. They had no reason to be ashamed in this relationship. Woman was created from man. And when Adam looked upon her, he knew that there was difference between them, and yet he said... This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. Woman was created as a helpmeet for him, a helper comparable to him, and created so that man would not be alone. God created marriage, and marriage is a blessed institution in his eyes. In that regard, Matthew 19, beginning with verse 3. 
The Pharisees also came to Jesus, testing Him and saying to Him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? And He answered and said to them, Have you not read that He who made them at the beginning made them male and female and said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore what God has joined together, let not man separate. They said to him, Why then did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce and to put her away? And he said to them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, and marries another, commits adultery. And whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery. Notice here that, that it goes again back to Genesis. That the two shall become one flesh. They are to be on equal footing as that marriage is, as far as the marriage is concerned. The husband is not necessarily to rule over his wife although she is to submit to his authority, but they work together in that marriage, they are to respect one another. And so much so that divorce shouldn't even be a thought unless adultery has occurred. And certainly, as far as the marriage is concerned, husbands and wives should, should respect one another enough to remain faithful. But marriage is founded on love and respect. Look at what Paul said in Ephesians 5, beginning with verse 22. Ephesians 5 and verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church. And He is the Savior of the body. As we look at the church, we look to Christ as head of His church. The Bible teaches that He is head of His church and we are to follow the authority of Christ given in the Word of God. And in like manner, wives are to look to their husbands and to submit to their authority in the home. But husbands have just as great a role in the marriage as wives do. Again, verse 24, Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. But husbands, love your wives. Don't look down upon your wives. Don't, don't look at them in, in an inferior type way. But love them. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for her, that He might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the Word, that He might present her to Himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery. 
But I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself. Let the wife see that she respects her husband. Uh, again, the marriage bond, that marriage relationship is founded on love and respect of one another. Husbands are just as responsible as wives for loving and respecting them as their own flesh. Just as Adam also respected Eve. As we look at the, the family, as we look at the home, we see respect and honor. A little bit further in Ephesians 6, beginning with verse 1, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. And you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. As we look at, at other world religions and the things that other nations believe and practice, we find that they are sadly lacking in these moral standards of the Bible. Partly because they, they were founded by men and these things were not of, of great importance. But God teaches their importance. He, he teaches the importance of love and respect in the home. Not just in the relationship between husbands and wives, but also in the relationship with children. They are to respect their parents and to honor them and be obedient to them, to their authority. God's Word teaches respect beginning in the home. But not just in the home, but also in the world. Go back to the Old Testament for a moment. And let's look at the Ten Commandments. Uh, in some ways, the, the founding of moral standards. Exodus 20. And look at the latter few. Beginning with verse 12. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. This is founded upon love and respect for one another. God's commandment began with how they were to honor God. But more of them had regard to how we are commanded to treat one another and how we are to respect one another. And if we truly respect one another in the way that we should, these things will not be in our lives. They will not be a part of our behavior in Mark 12, verses 28-34, Mark 12, beginning with verse 28, Then one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, Which is the first commandment of all? Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, 
The Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second, like it, is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So the scribe said to him, Well said, teacher. You have spoken the truth, for there is one God, and there is no other but He. And to love Him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now when Jesus saw that He answered wisely, He said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. Love and respect. In the marriage relationship, in the home, in the church, in the world. Those are the moral standards of the scriptures. We also see in other world religions the, the support and the advocacy of, of sinful behaviors. Remember what is said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 9 and 10. 1 Corinthians 6, beginning with verse 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. God never condones sinful behavior. And here he very plainly is teaching through Paul's writings that any kind of sinful behavior, and especially of a sexual nature, these sinful behaviors will keep us from inheriting the kingdom of God. Whereas other religions seek to serve self and, and give pleasure to self, God's Word teaches against it. God's morality is against sinful behavior of all types. Ephesians 5 verse 11, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. There are other moral principles that we are taught in Scripture that, that are of important note. Look for a moment at Hebrews 13, verses 1 through 6. Hebrews 13, and beginning with verse 1. Let brotherly love continue. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so some have unwittingly entertained angels. Remember the prisoners as if chained with them, those who are mistreated, since you yourselves are in the body also. Marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled. But fornicators and adulterers God will judge. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content 
with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Second Peter 1 verses 5 through 11. Second Peter 1 beginning with verse 5. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. To virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Galatians 5, verses 22 through 26. Galatians 5, verses 22 through 26. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. What God's Word teaches us is love and respect. Godliness. Forgiveness. These things are, are often looked at in a different way in the world that we live in, but only because of those who do not regard the Scriptures, who do not regard the moral standards of God. As we look at the, the Bible, it has withstood the test of time. And even before any of the religions that we have looked at previously ever began, the Bible already was. The Bible was, is to be the moral standard that we follow. These teachings are, are carried out through the, the disciples. They're given to us, and they're the same things that we need to live by even today. God's Word, God's morality doesn't look at anybody as, as better than anyone else or others as inferior to us. But God wants all to be saved. There is no prejudice that is taught in God's moral standard. These are things that we should avoid. In Romans 1, beginning with verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. 
for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. The gospel of God teaches love, love of God for all people, for all men. We're reminded that, uh, again, as we looked at this morning, that He is unwilling that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Regardless of race, regardless of gender, regardless of any other prejudice that we may hold, God wants all to be saved. Peter told the Jews on the day of Pentecost, when they asked the, the question, Men and brethren, what shall we do? He told them the very same thing that is told to anyone who wishes to be converted. Repent. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. This is an invitation that is open even today, even now. Whether or not you are a child of God, maybe you're not a faithful child of God, maybe you do need to obey the gospel. Whatever your standing is in light of Christ, if you find yourself in a position where, where you know that you are outside of Christ, outside of Christianity, if you find yourself in a position where you need to respond to the Lord's invitation, then certainly we give you the opportunity to respond. Let's together we stand and as we sing.